Well, good morning, everyone. Um, we've, it's been um, really lovely to hear the um, Pathfinder story. And for those of you on Facebook, there was lots of pictures. And um, yeah, it was uh, certainly a highlight. But one thing that came through for me was the thankfulness that came out of uh, everything that was done, not only uh, to our leaders here, but to our church as well. And as a result of that, I believe that we are more united as a people as well. But this morning I would actually like to thank all of those of you who are actively involved in our church as well, because it does take effort, it does take time, it does take commitment, and we do need to say thank you. But not only that, in, in the journey that we all have as people, this morning I'd like to say thank you to God for what he has done for me and that he has changed my life, that he has given me peace that comes from God. He has given me a purpose, that he has given me a hope, that he has given me a future. And I am very thankful to God that he has given that to me. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about giving thanks to God. So we should just bow our heads as, as we start this morning. Lord, we just thank you now uh, for your Sabbath that we can come aside. Uh, we just pray now for your Holy Spirit to be here with us as we open your word. And we just pray that our hearts will be touched in a change in a way that will bring glory to you. Amen. I think when we are able to say thanks to God is that it's foundational to us as a people, as believers of God, to a lifestyle that leads to worship of God. And so it's something that we don't possibly think about a lot, but it's actually quite important in how we operate as human beings. So this morning I'd like to, uh, for you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 17 um, as I share this story with you. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee and as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And then he went off. The Bible doesn't record how far they had walked before they were healed. So they had to have faith. They had to walk. However, one, only, only one returned to thank Jesus for the healing. Luke makes mention of the fact that the one who returned was a Samaritan, a person despised by the Jews. 
we also see that Jesus also expressed disappointment that the other nine had not thought to give praise to God for their healing. From this we learn that God desires for us to express our thankfulness for all that he does in our lives. Even though Jesus did not withhold healing from the nine who did not thank him, he made a point of noting their lack of gratefulness. But because they had faith, they were healed physically. Jesus' final words to the grateful Samaritan imply that this man received spiritual healing in addition to the physical healing that he had. After the man was already healed of leprosy, Jesus said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. It could be that the man's return to Jesus gave him spiritual wholeness in addition to his physical wholeness that he had received. When we take the time to acknowledge the giver and not just the gift, we please God as well as that we enjoy a spiritual healing that comes from that gratefulness that we show. So here we see from this story that God values the least, the Samaritan. God honours faith and that God cherishes gratitude which leads to thankfulness. There in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it reads, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Here Paul sort of puts it fairly directly, in everything gives thanks. So is that just today, or will it be tomorrow? Or... Oh, I'm not feeling too well today, so we won't worry about it today. So he says, no exceptions, no excuses. He's saying, no matter what is happening in your life, we should be thankful. And we all have struggles. We might have circumstances in our lives where it's not, you know, you're not in the happy paddock. But he says, doesn't matter what's going on, you've got to give thanks. There's a reason to thank God. We should remind ourselves that giving thanks is really the essence of Christian living and attitude, is to be able to give thanks. It should be who we are as a people. We have gratitude for what God has done for us. But God wants us to express that gratitude in thanks to him. And I believe also to each other as well. So if we have thankfulness, we have the opposite as well, unthankfulness. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'll just read to you just a couple of little things here. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and this is really interesting, unthankful. It's listed here in this list. And unholy. So here in the last days, people will become unthankful. 
So to me, as you read this text, it's a picture of people who previously had a thankful heart, but have now moved away from that and have become unthankful, unappreciative. They no longer focus on their blessings that they have in their lives. Instead, they fixate on what they haven't got. These are people who have become unthankful, unappreciative, and who live their lives void of any sense of gratitude. We need to know that as long as an ungrateful attitude prevails in our lives, I believe that you will never be truly happy. I believe that thankfulness is a prerequisite to happiness because only a thankful heart can be a truly happy heart. Unfortunately, we do live in a world today where people have become so self-focused, self-consumed, that they are rarely grateful for anything. We live in a beautiful country and we are all grateful that we live here in this great country of ours. We have been so blessed with so much that people have come to the point that they take it for granted. They don't even realise how truly fortunate we are for what we've got. And I was thinking this morning, I wonder how many of you actually thought about how good it is to turn the tap on this morning and you've got safe drinking water. I actually thought about that this morning. I can actually drink it out of the tap. You know, in many places around the world, they can't do that. They can't even have a, a, a tap to drink clean, safe water from. And that's just one little thing. Being ungrateful is the essence of a heart that's moved away from God. It's a hardened heart. And Paul identifies this condition with some very direct words found in the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave him thanks. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Look, there's a lot of people here this morning. But if you look around people in general in the world, they fall into different types of categories. First, you have those people who go through life thinking that things just happen as a result of luck. No planning here. It's just, it's good if it happens, and if it's not, well, they're not real happy. They become bitter. But who's there to thank? Can you thank luck? It's all chance. Then there are those who are the fatalists, who don't necessarily think luck's in charge. They think that there's some force out there. They think that the future's preset. But fatalism can lead to a feeling of hopelessness too. You can, you can feel that there's no point in trying to change. Then, I suppose I, I consider these people as the realists who believe that they are in control of their lives. They're the ones that are usually the go-getters, the successful people. Uh, they attribute it to themselves. I'm where I'm at because of me. I'm successful because of what I have done. Everything, that, that everything good that happens to them, they've done it. 
They've arranged it, they've made it happen, they've dreamed it up, they've schemed it, they've planned it, they've made it happen, they've pulled it off, and all the credit goes to? Not to God. And then there's another group, the people that live by faith, that have a trust in God, and it's shown by service and obedience to God. And who do they thank? God. Look, we, we live today where it's difficult for us to, to rise above our culture. What do we call it? Peer pressure. There's, there's a heavy influence on the way that, that surrounds us and the way that we should live. Think of this. On the one hand, we have people who have more than they've ever had. Just go for a drive around our town. Have a look at the standard of housing that we have in our town. But you also have people who know there's more that they don't have. And so no matter what they have, they don't have everything that they could, and so they don't have everything that they want, and where does that end up? Do you think that it breeds thankfulness in their heart? Not at all. So there's this constant unthankfulness because they know that there's more that they should have. Look, I'm sure that each one of us here, if we're realistic to ourselves, at some stage in our lives has experienced unthankfulness. And you'd have to say, generally, you don't feel too good when you're going through that, when you've been ungrateful all the time. So for us as professed Christians, I'd have to say that being unthankful is not the normal. It shouldn't be normal to be unthankful. It cuts across the very grain of your life, of who you should be as a Christian. But there is a danger that we can fall into this ingratitude. But God's word repeatedly calls us to thankfulness. When a person becomes a Christian, I'm talking about a brand new one here, a brand new Christian, it's characteristic for that believer to thank God in everything. It's hard to find someone more thankful than this brand new Christian. Giving thanks becomes a part of the fabric of their life. When we trust God, the end result of what is happening in our lives will be to bring glory to God, to praise God, to know that God is able to work in any situation that's happening in your life. And so you have a reason to be able to give thanks for what God is doing in your lives. The word of God calls us to be thankful so that we don't fall into the patterns of those around us. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. What he means is that as people receive the grace of God in salvation, it leads to thanksgiving. This should be the normal. This should be the characteristic of who we are. This should be the pattern of each one of us in the way that we live our lives, is that we give thanks to God. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. 
simply saying, you've been blessed. And it produces thanksgiving to God. Not only do you have salvation, but you have the physical blessings as well. Do you notice that when you have been blessed, that when you share those blessings with others, how do you feel? Do you feel as though that you've lost out? Not at all. There's a good feeling when you can actually physically give something away. This is so opposite to how the, wor the world works. And then uh, you, you, you have a high because you've actually been able to give something away and you are thankful because you've actually done that. I want to read to you, uh, and this is a very, this passage here is a good one that each person here can learn off by heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 16 to 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 16. So take note. This is a challenge for you. It's verse 16. Rejoice always. Can you handle that? That's the text. Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, this is the one I want you to take note of. In, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So here I believe we find responsibility. You have a responsibility as a believer in God in the terms of your heart attitude. These three commands, what are they? Rejoice always, pray, and give thanks. I believe that these three commands penetrate the very recesses of who you are as a person. They penetrate the redeemed's heart. What we do and say reflects what's happening in the heart. You could say that they are a gauge for a person's spiritual condition as well. Don't judge your spiritual condition because you're at church here this morning. Don't judge your spiritual condition by the fact that you've done your duty as a Christian, whatever that might be. Don't judge your spiritual condition because you haven't robbed someone, that you haven't murdered someone, that you haven't committed adultery, that you haven't lied. If you want to get in touch with the reality of your spiritual condition, then all you need to do is ask yourself, do I rejoice? Do I pray? And am I increasingly thankful for what God has done for me? And being thankful will lead to a right attitude in all the things that we do, in all the responsibilities that you have, in all the ministries that you're involved with. And I believe that these characteristics will fall into place when we daily ask the Lord to live in our hearts and when we earnestly search uh, God's will for us through his word. Verse 18 again. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. I believe that God's will for all of us is that we will experience joy and happiness and thanks all the time. That's his will. This should be the normal. Now, you might look at your life and say, well, look, Ian's just babbling on about stuff up the front, but that's not the reality. 
of how it really is. I don't always do that. It's not happening for me. So how are we going to deal with it? What is it that infects our hearts? What is it that corrupts our hearts so that we don't experience these things? Well, I've got a list. First one is doubt. Doubt about God. Is he really? Doubt about the character of God. Is it the truth? If you doubt God's character, you're going to have trouble being thankful because you're not going to be sure if he's really going to keep his promise. Maybe you doubt his wisdom. Some might even question his love because of what's happening in your life. Any, any, any of those doubts is going to take away thankfulness. It's going to poison the heart. And I want to add to doubt selfishness. This will really poison gratitude. This is an attitude that says, look, I don't want it this way, I want it that way. Look, I'm not content with how God's working in my life. I'm not content with the circumstances in which I find myself. I'm not content with the things that are going on in my world. I want to be in charge. I want to run my life. I want to call the shots. It's more important than God's will. My plan is more important. I want my life my way. I want my job my way. I want my church my way. I want my spouse my way. I want my kids this way. I want my career this way. Is there going to be much thankfulness coming out of all that? Don't think so. Okay. The third one that's going to hinder a thankful heart would be wanting everything that the world can offer. Look, we are bombarded with this every single day. If your vision of your life is filled with popularity, pleasure, prestige, people, places, possessions, pursuits, it's all there. It's stuff. You're going to become so consumed, it's not, you're not going to have time for any thankfulness to God. And if it doesn't work out, if it doesn't work out, and that's likely, you, there's not going to be any thankfulness there. You'll never see the blessings that come from God. Fourth one, having this critical spirit within you. This is what's going to steal it from you. This is what's going to steal thankfulness from your heart. A person who is bitter, a person who's always negative, a person that's always sour, a critical spirit can be produced by a number of things, but if it's left unchecked, not dealt with, it's going to destroy a thankful heart. It's going to make you useless to God and a pain to everyone else in your life. It will corrode your devotion to your spiritual life. It will corrode your love for one another and it's going to make you bitter. And that kind of critical attitude that develops destroys thankfulness. The next one, impatience. Some people don't give thanks simply because they're discontent over the, discontent over the perception that, does, that God does not move when they think he should. Well, guess what? God doesn't work according to your schedule. Hey, we live in a world, and it's called Google, you can get anything 
right now? You want answers? Google. Can't deal with process anymore. You can't say, thank you, Lord, I can see your hand at work. The process is slow. I see it. I thank you. I praise you for it. Impatience will destroy thankfulness. We need to learn to, get to thank God for the process. It's hard to see the end from the beginning sometimes. So what robs the, a thankful heart? Doubt, selfishness, worldliness, being critical and being impatient. Oh, and there's still more. When there's a lack of enthusiasm, when there's a lack of love for Jesus, when there's a lack for the word of God, when there's a lack of interest in a community of a church and for worship, when there's, when there's a lack of interest in prayer, it leaves people empty. They just become spiritually indifferent, lethargic. Lastly, there's rebellion. I'm not thankful because I'm angry with God. I'm not thankful because I don't like what he's doing in my life. Their lot is not what they want. And so they become angry. And so where's the thankfulness in that? If there's doubt, selfishness, worldliness, a critical spirit, impatient, lukewarmness or rebellion has come into your life, how can you give thanks? We should be a thankful people. We should be thankful for God's word, for the provisions for all our needs. We should be thankful for the hope that we have for the future that's been promised. We ought to be thankful for the power of the word, the power of prayer, the mercy of God. We ought to be thankful for the gift of life that comes from God. If you're not thankful because you're rebellious, because you're cold and indifferent, because you're impatient, because you're critical, because you're worldly, because you're selfish, because you're doubting, I ask you this morning to reconsider I ask you this morning to please reconsider and change direction in your life. Recommit your life to God. Jesus lived in thankfulness to God. A wonderful example. He expressed his thanks to God publicly for the benefit of others, that they too may learn to be grateful to God. And I'll just share one text very quickly found there in the book of John. And, and this is probably one of the greatest miracles that's ever been written there in the Bible. Luke, uh, John chapter 12, verse 41. And I'll just look that up very quickly. And I've written the wrong thing down here by the looks of it. And now, deals with the story of Lazarus. And Jesus prays and he thanks God for the blessings. You can find it and tell me which one it is, but I've actually lost it here. Chapter 11. Thank you, Ross. Okay. And then there was the greatest miracle, but Jesus gave thanks. There are many reasons to cultivate gratitude in our lives. And you could 
as you develop, as you cultivate this gratitude, which leads to thankfulness, you can come to the point where you can say from your heart, thank you. How good does it feel when it's genuine? Thank you. It's a good feeling, isn't it? I reckon we should express it more at home, at work, with our colleagues, not to do it lightly, but meaningfully. Thank you. Here are some of the benefits now. We've looked at the negative. Let's look at some of the benefits. Benefits of giving thanks to God. It glorifies God. It helps you to see God. It puts you squarely in God's will and it will bring you peace. It will draw you closer to God. It will bring contentment in this vast world of ours. It's going to deepen your faith and it's going to lead to joy in your life. It's, it's going to guard you against envy, that feeling of discontent that can creep into your lives. It's going to guard you against that. In closing, Psalms 136 verse 1. It's amazing how many times you find this command given. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures this week. This year? Forever. Remember that God deserves your thankfulness. Remember that Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. May we all be the one that returns to give thanks to God. And as we are started this new year, I ask you to look for the good in each other at home, at work, here in our church. Look for the good in each other. Pray for each other and say thanks. Be thankful for what God has done in your life. And God will be glorified and your life will be better because of it. And you know what? People will actually see that you've got something that's real and that's actually attractive to them. My prayer is that each one of you will recommit this morning. Recommit your life to Jesus, our Saviour. And that you will receive the blessings that comes from that recommitment. And that you will be able to say, thank you. Amen.